Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. Last week we talked about um, the heart and the state of our heart. How's your heart? Kind of a big thing. How many of you did a whole lot of soul searching this week? I had a lot of people contact me and go, oh man, there was something in there I didn't know was in there. Sorry about that. Um, That's the Holy Spirit, so... (laughs) Lean into that. The big, the big thing was um, making sure that there's not stuff in there that shouldn't be. Making sure that we're clear. Making sure that we're on guard. That our heart is protected. That we're not protecting it from people and from situations, but we're protecting it for the Lord. That we're guarding it for the Lord. That we're keeping our heart right. That there's not stuff else uh, coming in which is a very defensive position. It's essentially walking around the gates of your life and going, is there any holes? We want to make sure that there's no holes, that the enemy's just coming in. Because sometimes, you know, if you're getting whooped repeatedly, you might need to shore up the the walls a little bit. There might be some easy access that he's using. And so um, going back and dealing with that defensively is so important. But today we want to go on the offensive. And so it's another heart thing. But offensively, what do we do? So we know what we're trying to stay away from, but we want to be prepared for what is ahead of us. And today we want to talk about um, opportunity knocks. This thing that happens where in a moment, everything can change. One of the key moments that we see in the word is um, the story of Joseph, right? Joseph had this dream from the Lord from from childhood. He had this sense of who he was, this sense of, of what God was calling him to, but no real plan, no real focus, no real direction. It was just a sense, just a kind of a vision. And as he goes through life and, and the word tells us that repeatedly God is with him. Joseph is going through all these things. His brothers sell him into slavery. God is with him. He prospers in Potiphar's house, and she falsely accuses him of raping her, and God is with him. And he ends up in the prison, and he's noticed by the prison guard and raised up in there. God is with him. He uh, has the opportunity to interpret some dreams and to deal with some guys who are uh, of national influence, and God is with him. And yet he's in prison. He's sold into slavery. He's falsely accused. Like all this stuff, Right? He's going through all this stuff, but the word tells us that God is with him. And then literally in this one moment, he gets called up because Pharaoh has this dream that he can't figure out, but it's really bothering him, really troubling him. And so he calls all the the sorcerers and the so-called seers of the land, all the wise people, come and tell me what the dream means. And if you can't, you're going to die kind of thing. Like it's a it's a dangerous position being advisor to the king at that, at that point in time, advisor to Pharaoh. And so um, they're all like, well, there is this guy. And, and because the one guy who was in prison who forgot to tell anybody about the story had forgot to tell anybody that Joseph had actually interpreted the dream until that moment. And oh, I just remembered there's this guy who can interpret dreams. And Pharaoh calls for him. And and when he says, I hear that you can interpret dreams. And Joseph actually answers and he says, I can't. But God can. And something happens in the process of Joseph's, Joseph's life that gets him into the place that when opportunity knocks, he has the right answer. He doesn't say, oh yeah, I totally can't. I've been waiting for this for two years. Or I've been waiting for this my whole life. He's, he's in that moment 
Opportunity knocks and he has the right answer. And so what happens is in one day, he goes from being the guy in the prison wondering where on earth is my life headed to being the second in command to the nation and the deliverance of, of the food source for the peoples of the earth at that time. Massive move of God overnight. And lots of us are waiting for kind of that overnight breakthrough. Like we would love God to show up and just deliver to us a breakthrough. Wouldn't we? Like, if I could just promise you today that by the end of the week, you're going to have a breakthrough, this church would be packed to the gills. Like, we would be like, yes, we come here and we get a breakthrough. You, God is the God of the breakthrough. We are the ones who are responsible for our hearts, so we're ready for it when it happens. And along the way, God is working out in us these offensive moves so that we can have the right answer when opportunity knocks. And there's a scripture that's in Ecclesiastes. Um, uh, Pastor George uh, Hill uses it all the time. Ecclesiastes 9, 10, and 11. And uh, it's repeated in other, other places. But whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. So that's the first part. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. But then it goes on in here and it says, For there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. In other words, this is a limited time offer. You've only got this little window to do what you do with all your might. We are eternal beings. We will go on forever. But this window of time on this side of eternity is where we get to give it our 100%. Right? This is where the whole picture is there. And it goes on, it says, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But time and chance happen to them all. So what he's saying is that there is a limited time on earth. We get no do-over days. We, we get no bonus years. Like Wayne and I were sitting there last night and he's like, do you realize like this is the end of the seventh month of this year? How did, I just made my New Year's resolutions. Like last week, I'm pretty sure. How, how are we on the bottom end of this? And then you Yahoo's posting how many days till Christmas. I don't even want to see that stuff. But anyway, we get no do-overs. We have this time, and we have a purpose in this time. So whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And then he says, you know, there's not this, this thing. The race is not to the swift, the battle to the strong, the bread to the wise, the riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. In other words, what he's saying is a lot of us lean towards if I just had what you have. If I just had the talent you have, if I just had the opportunity you have, if I was just raised in a family like you're raised in, if I had the, the advantages that you had, if I was raised with more money, if I was raised with more, you know, status, if I had the stuff that you have, I could do what you have. But Solomon's saying here, he's like, honestly, time and chance happens to us all. In other words, there is a time and an open door that everybody gets at some point or another, and the ready get to walk through it. We can blame others, or we can say, I'm disadvantaged in some way, but God is saying, are you doing everything you can with what you've got? 
Are you being faithful with what you do have or are you so focused on what you don't have? And I mentioned it in passing last week, but literally um, studies are showing that some of the top athletes, some of the top achievers uh, in the business world, some of the top innovators uh, globally are not the people who actually show natural talent in their childhood. It's the people who worked the hardest. The people who were invested, the people who were focused, the people who actually gave their life to what they felt passionate about. And so in the same way, God is saying like, honestly, stop looking at what you don't have. What do you have? Because there is a moment, there is a place, there is opportunity that God gives and he's looking for those who are working with all their might. And so walking through this, we want to just look at what does that look like? We're not saying that it's just, um, you know, those who strive, get, get, you know, get the opportunities. It's that God expects us to be faithful stewards of the measure that he provides for us. And those who are faithful with a little become faithful over much. The same uh, standard of faithfulness just travels through. So we experience the increase based on the level of faithfulness that we have now. I maybe want to think that I'll be faithful down the road, but the proof of that is, am I faithful today? And all I've got is today. All I've got is what I can work with right now. Am I faithful right now? And so we would say, you know, not that it's, it's luck, who has, the, who has the, you know, good luck, who has good fortune, but we would say providence. Providence is, by definition, divine guidance, or God as the power-sustaining or guiding human destiny. So God's destiny for our lives, he is the providence that creates opportunities for us, creates spaces for us, and those who are ready will walk through it. It's the ones who have the yes at the right time in the right way. And how are we making sure that we're there? It's the heart stuff again. It's making sure that our heart is right before God. I think it must have been very tempting on an on a earthly level for Joseph when he's faced with this opportunity. We hear you can interpret dreams to be like, yeah, I've totally done it before. No, he's like, no, it's all God. If God doesn't show up, I got nothing. It is literally, it's all God, meaning his heart had been refined. And so when we, when we look at this, um, how are we ready for when opportunity knocks? I was thinking about how this is just like the perfect parenting example. Like, isn't this what we want for our kids? We want them to succeed. We want them to do the very best they can with the days that they've got. I remember like... Um, the night before Amy's grad, and I'm like upset and crying and whatever, and it wasn't like, it wasn't like sadness. I'm literally doing a self-check and I'm like, I'm hoping she's got everything she needs. Like, I'm hoping we've given her everything that she needs to succeed in life. I'm, this is it, this is kind of the end of the road. Turns out they still need you for decades after that, but... Um, <laughs> In that moment, I'm like, I really hope her suitcase of life is packed with the good stuff, right? That we've given and we've trained her how to be a healthy human being, a productive adult, a contributing member of society, a lover of Jesus, a carrier of the light. Like, I'm hoping that stuff is there that she knows how to budget and eat and stuff. Like, and, and so parenting kind of is that thing that, that we have this natural pull to set our kids up to do well. So natural flow of that, according to the word, is the story of Paul and Timothy. 
And Paul and Timothy have this father-son relationship where Paul comes into Timothy's life and adopts him as a spiritual son really just takes him on and loves him and cares for him. And Paul shifts to the end of his life. And you can kind of tell, in particularly in 2 Timothy, that, that Paul's like, I need you to have everything that I need you to have. Like, I'm really hoping it's all in there. Here's my last words. Here's some stuff that I want you to focus on. And what he really starts picking around is some of the stuff that has to do with Timothy's heart. And he is encouraging him to essentially stand up and be a big boy now. Like, you're the grown-up now. Now you have to do some stuff. Now you have to move. So we're going to pick through some of the things that Paul um, gives as instructions for Tim Timothy because they're things that we can apply right now. It's the heart stuff. While I'm in the waiting, what do I do? Obviously, worship obviously spend time in his presence. But there's also some work that can get done. There's some things that I can focus on. It's the things that I need to be as I move forward. 2 Timothy 1-2, Timothy is addressed from the beginning from Paul as Timothy, my beloved son. So we need to know that anything that God gives us in instructions comes from that place. Beloved son, beloved daughter, not servant not slave, not, you know, one who has to please the master. It's as a beloved child of God, this is what you need to know. 2 Timothy 1, 5 to 6, and we'll just pull this up, and he, he's talking, this is Paul talking to Timothy, and he says, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying out of my hands. This passage right here, I think, is so interesting because a lot of us are like, well, nobody ever laid hands on me. And so I don't have, I don't think that there's any gift to stir up. I don't know what that, that would be. This is specific to Timothy because Timothy was called into the pastorate. So the laying on of hands, we see that earlier in the book of Acts. He was called and anointed and his, like, laid on of hands and sent out into his particular calling. What this means for the rest of us is stir up the gift of God that is applicable to your calling. Stir up the gift of God that matches your purpose. Stir up the gift of God that he has placed in you. And some of us have had prophetic words. We've had a nudge. Uh, you know, when we're in our personal prayer time, there's something on the inside of us that we feel God's saying he's calling us towards. And I'm not talking about just the one big career choice. I'm talking about the purpose of my life. Stir it up. When you are in pressure, when you are in the difficult places of life, you will not feel like doing what you're called to do. Do you know that? When I'm in a, in a difficult place, when I'm pressing through some hard stuff, even though I know inside and out what I should be doing is praising, that I need to get into the word, that I need to get into the presence of God, I have to make myself. And it usually takes like song five before I even want to listen to it. The rest of that, it's like great and on my nerves. It's like Brandon Lake, who's got a fantastic voice for the first four songs is like annoying when you're not wanting to be encouraged, you know? <laughs> You're wanting to be perfectly ticked right now. But you press through it and you decide. You stir yourself up. You, just, you begin to move. I, I know uh, Pastor Paul always talks about when he's in a hard place. Like he'll go down to Tim Hortons to try and find somebody to minister to. Try and find somebody to love. We've all got our things. What's the thing? But stir it up. Go on the offensive with your heart. 
And then it goes on and it says in verse seven there, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And we call on this verse a lot, especially in our current culture, you know, where mental health issues are everywhere. And a lot of us are struggling with this sort of thing. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. But if we package these verses together, we can see that Paul is saying, you need to stir up the gift that is in you instead of listening to the fear that's trying to silence you. And he says, God's not giving you that fear. That gift is attached to power, love, and sound mind. Power, the power of God is available to you to operate in the gift that he's placed in you. The love of God is there to affirm the identity that you have in him so that you can do what he's called you to do. And the sound mind is not only your mental health, but specifically what this phrase means is a disciplined mind, self-control or self-discipline. In other words, get yourself in hand. The Spirit of God is there to help you do, you can do what you need to do. You can do the right thing. You have to decide to stir yourself up. And I feel like it's very interesting here that Paul is addressing this as a son, my beloved son. If we could paraphrase it, my beloved son, do not let the fear that is trying to squeeze you out right now ruin the gift of God that is in you. I can see that you are called for more than this. And so I am telling you to stir yourself up. That faith is in you. I have seen it. I know it's there. And so stir yourself up. You need to understand that the spirit of fear is trying to squash what God has put in you. And so you recognize that there is power from God available for you. There is love that tells you who you are. When everybody else doesn't agree with it, God tells you who you are. And there is a sound mind and self-discipline that is part of the fruits of the spirit activate it get off your butt stir yourself up and do what your heart needs to have done because you are called for more than this you can tell Paul's writing on parchment so like he he probably would have used more words if he could have or if he could have been there in person what would a dad say to his kid but you know as a mom as a parent we know there are times you get in there and you're like get up I know you don't want to right now, but get up. The enemy wants you to stay laying in the fetal position crying, but you need to get up. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to hurt, but get up because there is a spirit of fear that is trying to intimidate the call of God right out of your life and you have to fight back. This is what Paul is telling Timothy. And so Timothy, we know from the other verses where Paul says, you know, don't let them despise your youth. So in other words, he's been, he's being attacked with his age, his inexperience, like who do you think you are? And Paul just gives him instructions, but essentially get up and do and be who you've been called to do and be. So how do we do that? How do we stir it up? How do we be ready when opportunity knocks? I'm going to give you four quick points because it's less about what we do and more about what we be. How do we be ready? How do we make sure that we're not stuck in the squish and the accusation of fear? Number one is be faithful. Be faithful. The heading in my Bible is be loyal to the faith. But it's be faithful. Stick with it. Be faithful, be loyal, and don't waver. Be faithful to what has been committed to you. You know, when you're 
like in a broken place, and, and a lot of us are probably experiencing this right now, you're, you're in the press. The thoughts that come into your head is, what's the point anyway? Maybe, th- what if this never changes? What if everything I've experienced in the past is the equivalent of what my future is? What if I wished that this is how it's going to be and this is not what it's going to be? What if God actually doesn't do miracles as much as we like to think? What if this person's right? What if that person's right? What, what if, what if, what if? What has God told you? Be faithful with it. We have to set the word right in front of our eyes. We have to, what God has said to you, that is the truth for you. That is what he's saying. 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14 says, Hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. That good thing that was committed to you, Keep it by the Holy Spirit. You partner with the Holy Spirit and you allow it to be kept in you. In other words, coming up and getting a prophetic word, and sometimes we do that. You know, somebody will speak a prophetic word over us and we write it down and we're like, oh, that's so good. And by like three days later, we're like, that was so good. And then the the following, well, that was so good, but I mean, maybe maybe that guy's a quack. I wonder how many other people he said that to. Maybe that's, well, that's probably just wishful. There's not an actual recording. Maybe I just twisted it in my head. Maybe that's not what he actually said. Okay, well, I mean, I thought that the, the Lord ignited it, but maybe it was, never mind, I'm just average. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. You gotta contend for your future. You have to contend, and I'm not saying contend to get it from God, I'm saying contend to keep your heart aligned with what God fully intends to release to you. There is a position that we have to take. He goes on in 1 Timothy 1, 18 to 19, and he says, this charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you wage the good warfare having faith and good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith have suffered shipwreck. (laughs) He says the warfare that you fight is based on the word of God to you. The fight that you, nobody else has to fight the same fight as you do. You have a call from God. You have a nudge on the inside of you that lines up with who he's made you to be, what he's said over you. You know, if he said to you that he's going to heal something, that he's going to open the door to something, that he's making a way for something, that he's providing in some way, that he's creating space for you, it doesn't really matter if anybody else believes it. The warfare that you fight is faced and fought based on what the word of God is to you. And it will be something that is backed up by the written word of God because that's how that confirmation comes. But those who have walked away from it have suffered shipwreck. It's this blow up of the faith. It's people who, I oh, I used to be a Christian, but I thought that was going to happen and it didn't happen. So it's just garbage. Or did you walk away? 
and allow the enemy to shipwreck you because that's what he's trying for. So the defensive position is I don't allow rocks, stones, um, you know, the tares and the weeds to come into my life. But the offensive position is I am keeping the faith. I am pursuing. I'm standing on the word that God spoke over my life. And having done all to stand, I stand therefore, right? That is an offensive position. And, and sometimes it means that you stand with not that many people around you. But, but stand anyway. Stand in the things that God has told you to do. Number two is to be in the word then. How do you stand? You be in the word. This level of being faithful, you, you know, when we look around our world today, it just sounds like spiritual things sound crazy. The things of God sound crazy. But this word has been, not only is it the living word of God, but it has been uh, historically proven and tested by so many different sources that is this stuff that's in here. Did it that the, 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 uh, Paul says to Timothy about this? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. He says straight up, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be, here we go, complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. I need to be ready when opportunity knocks. How will I do it? The word of God makes me complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. It means when the door you know, the opportunity is there. I am ready to step into it because the word of God. Now, what if it's, I'm just looking for a job? I'm just looking for a spouse. I'm just looking for a miracle. We're looking to have a baby, you know, whatever. This sounds totally different. No, it's not. What has God promised you? There is a scripture for that. There is a promise for that. There is a track record of faith for that. There is a character trait of God for that. And so we get in the word and we are ready to answer it. Right now, you know, for instance, there's a, there's a thing that um, we know that when we go hiking, you don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun the slowest person. <laughs> I've had the recent revelation that that might be why I get invited on hikes. But... Um, <laughs> I know, right? So I've decided like that needs to change in my life because I want to be able to do stuff and go places. I don't want to have to have lived a crappy life this week and I don't feel like the presence of God is on me. I need to be ready to go, right? So I have to decide to be in the word and to let that thoroughly equip me. It says in Hebrews 2, uh, sorry, um, stick with 2 Timothy 2.15, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So the scripture over your life, whatever it is that God is, is prompting you, the things that he's speaking over you, the things that he's calling into you, there is a scripture for that. You get in there and you allow it to work in you and rightly divide what is true and what is not. I'll give you a hint. Almost 100% of secular counsel right now is not truth. There is a ton of garbage out there. There's a ton of stuff that is experimental, and we hope this is going to work in people's lives, but we'll know in 30 years when we do a social experiment and evaluate the results. The Word of God hasn't changed. 
It is constant, it is true, and it will rightly divide this stuff. In fact, more specifically, Hebrews 4, 2 says, the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That's a key part. And of joints and marrow, and it is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. How do I know if what I'm standing on is just me or it actually is God? The word. The word helps you discern between the soul and the spirit, your mind and the spirit. It helps you decide the intent of the heart. It helps you know what it is that God is saying and what it is that is wishful thinking. And if it's in the word, it's possible. If, if the word of God comes alive to you in some area, you know you're not just wishing and hoping, you know it's true. And you stand on that until circumstances change. The word of God will never change. Your circumstances will, right? Everything else is subject to change. So be in the word. Feelings will change. Feelings will change. I'm a, a big believer in if we are standing for something, believing for something, standing um, in faith, we need to know what God says about that particular topic. We have to have an understanding. If you don't know how to get in there with your, with your word, you can Google it for starters. What does God say about healing? What does God say about um, finances? Whatever. But call one of the pastors or call somebody who's a little bit more seasoned in the faith and ask them, can you give me three promises that the word says about this? Can you, can you tell me what the character of God is about this? And God is really clear on the issues of life because it's an extension of his kingdom. And so we want to know what the word says. Number three, real quick, be ready. Now what this means is, Prepared mentally or physically for some experience or action. This is the, the dictionary definition. Prepared mentally or physically for some experience or action. Prepared for immediate use or immediately available. So in other words, we need to have ourselves in the state of mind that God, whenever you call me up, I'm ready. And that could be this afternoon. We might think that it's somewhere down the line under some perfect circumstances when I've got my finances in order, my, you know, everything's lined up, I've got my, my time scheduled properly, and I'm, but are we ready to say yes to God with a now? Like, I, I want to get in the place where I'm ready now. What does that look like? 2 Timothy 4.2, so again, this is Paul talking to his son. He says, preach the word. Now, that's because this is Timothy's calling. What is yours? You know, whatever, you, you know, you're called to work in a bakery, you're called to work in the oil patch, you're called as a police uh, officer, you're called to whatever, but you're called to carry the kingdom into that place. You're called to live the kingdom in that place. And so maybe in that place, the work is the work, but maybe you're somebody who ministers kindness to people. You minister love to people. You're ready to pray for people. You're ready to live the light in that place. But in, in Timothy's case, uh, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So again, this is specific to Timothy's calling, but the principle is be ready now. In season and out of season, the breakdown of the, the phrase that Paul used means timely or untimely, convenient or inconvenient. <laughs> Fun, put that in your day timer. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not convenient for me to pray with you right now. 
I'm sorry, it's not convenient for me to share with you about that. It's not convenient for me that you're having a breakdown. It's not convenient. It doesn't matter. I am ready for what God has called me to do, whether I think it's convenient or not. Because the thing that we need to understand is God works out all the details. He already knows the packaging. The limitations are our own. The limitations are what we think needs to be in place for us to be effective. But God works out the stuff and he provides along the way and he supplies whatever is needed. And so we are ready and we have that spot. So, you know, how do I prepare my heart in the waiting? I'm, I'm ready to give a yes. Whatever that calling is, whatever that thing that I'm waiting on, God, I'm ready to walk with you today. I'm ready to live out of that place today. I'm, I'm in the word. I'm in the space where my heart is good. I'm ready to go today. A lot of us, that's probably very convicting because we've got a five-year plan, you know, like four and a half years, I'm going to do my stuff and the final six months, I'm going to get right with God and be ready to go, you know. Now, to, I need to be ready today to give him a yes for whatever it is he asks for. It's that constant state of obedience. It's that constant state of watchfulness. Like, I would love to say when we take Walter for a walk that, that he, he, he does things like that. But um, I've seen other people with smarter dogs, um, you know, and they're walking, but their ears are tipped back because they're always waiting for the next command. I, it might be that Walter's ears hang down and he just doesn't hear anything. I don't know, but... But they're, you know, they're, list, they're waiting for the next command as they carry on and they go about their, their walk or whatever. It's kind of like that with the things of God where we go about our day, but we keep our ear tuned for the next instruction. Like we're always keeping an eye on him. We're always like, is there something that you have for me today? I am ready with a yes for whenever you call me up. Whatever you need me to do today, I am there. And I'm always just listening for your voice. Number four then, along with this, is be watchful. Be alert, be aware, be focused. Our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, not just biting everybody, but seeking whom he may devour. And it's selective. It's those who are available to be attacked. And so 2 Timothy 4, 5, again, Paul's talking to Timothy and he says, but you, you, whatever all is going on, and you can read the before and after of the verses, you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. Specifically, he's talking to Timothy's calling, but we could apply your name to this. Apply the thing that God calls you to do. You know, if it's, um, if it's, pastoring, it's ministering to people, it's loving people, it's financial uh, sewing into things, helping people with counsel in those areas, physical health issues, whatever it is, we feel better if we've got a title or a paper on the wall that validates what we think we are. But until such time as that does or doesn't happen, fulfill your call. Do what you can do today to do this. He says, but you... You be watchful in all things. You endure afflictions. There's stuff that's going to happen. It's not going to be easy every day. You endure afflictions because you have to do the work of uh, whatever your thing is and fulfill your ministry. What if nobody in your sphere is fulfilling their ministry or has a focus on it at all? Has any sense of purpose, any sense of direction? What if nobody you talk to thinks about that? Do you know you're going to stand before God one day and he will ask what you did with those days? 
it's not going to be a good answer to say, well, nobody else was doing it. Fulfill your ministry. 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 Every single one of us was knit together in our mother's womb purposefully, skillfully, wonderfully, and God gave us a destiny. Not necessarily a career path, but there's purpose in your life. There's purpose in every single day. Do you know the consequences of fear? The word tells us that anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Fear damages a sound mind. It, it's this thing that the, the this press that's on the world right now that the fear comes against our mind and the fear of insignificance actually presses us into a place of insignificance. We're so afraid that we don't matter that we live a life that doesn't matter. We're so afraid that nobody sees us that we live a life so nobody can see us. Isn't that weird? So Paul calls Timothy up and he's like, kiddo, well, my beloved son, but kiddo, I'm leaving. Like I'm, I'm almost done here, but there's something in you that you have to be faithful with. There's something in you that I have seen in you. I saw it in your grandma. I saw it in your mom. I see it in you. There's a faith. There's a calling that you've been prophesied over. People have laid hands on you. You know, you're called to it. And I'm telling you to get up and kick fear to the curb. I'm telling you to stir yourself up in your most holy faith. I'm telling you to get in the word and study. Study to show yourself approved. Let the word of God discern in you what is right and what is wrong. What is of him and what is of the flesh. And let him cut it away. Get in there and, and be ready for whatever needs to come. I don't really care if you feel ready. In season or out of season, it's in you. Say yes. I'm, I, you know, kiddo, I'm leaving. I need to know, I need to know that the deposit that's in you is going somewhere. You can't wait until you feel ready. He, you know, he, he's not saying this, but I'm paraphrasing. You might not live till you're 60, till you're 70. You might not feel ready at 30, 35, 45, 50. Some of us are like waiting to feel ready. Be ready. It's a choice. It's a decision. I'm, I'm going to say yes to God now, and I am going to be watchful. I'm going to recognize that somebody wants to steal this from, from me, and I am going to be watchful and make sure it never happens. I will fulfill my ministry. 2 Timothy 2, again, 4 and into 5. You must therefore endure hardships as a good soldier of Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. What he's saying is like, honestly, those elite athletes are elite that way because they choose to live separately. He, he says these, these people who are called into warfare, these soldiers who conquer, they live in such a way that they don't entangle themselves with all the junk around them. They know who they are and they know what they want to do and they experience the best. See, some of us think that, again, if, if man, if I had your gifting, if I had your calling, if I had your ability, opportunity knocks. And the door opens to whoever's actually ready to walk through. You know, Reinhard Bonnke, the, one of the greatest evangelists of our time, 
straight up when he was like interacting with the Lord and like so amazed about the people that were being saved at these massive crusades in Africa. And God said to him, you weren't my first choice. You were my third. But he was ready. Right? What do you need to be made ready for? Don't give up because it's taking a long time. There is something in every single day of faithfulness where we stir up our gift, where we get in the word, where we spend time with him, where we close out the other garbage. This is why, honestly, for some, this 40-day fast might be exactly the thing. And I mean, just pick one thing. Just pick one thing and say, for the next 40 days, God, I just, man, help me be ready. Help me be ready. Help me not be so me-focused. Help me not be so brokenness-focused. Help me not be so limited in my thinking. Help me get my heart right. Because here's the thing. We all get really excited when we hear the prophetic words about this move of God that's happening, don't we? That this is a move of God, that this is an end times move of God, that there are signs, wonders, and miracles that God has. There are prophetic words that have been spoken over our nation and the nations of the world. Aren't we getting excited about that? Do you know it never happens spontaneously? It always happens through people. So we should get ready, right? That's something to hang on to in the midst of whatever it is you're going through today. Let's stand together. And I want to pray over you and uh, over myself and this house. I know, I know when it's shaking like it's shaking right now, the enemy is prowling about to see who he can devour. Not us. Not us. God's on the move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hmm. Thank you, God. Let's just take a moment and I want to just let the Holy Spirit reveal to us any place where we've put up the blockages for him moving in our lives. Where we said, well, that couldn't happen here because, or won't happen to me because, or I'm disadvantaged because. Let me tell you one of the major ones. I did this to myself. I shouldn't expect God to do anything because I, I screwed it up myself. Or I had so many things happen to me. I mean, if you knew where I came from, you know, we don't really know what happened to Timothy, but we know we never really hear much about his father. We know that he desperately needed a spiritual father. So who knows? We have reasonable reasons to limit God. But I'm telling you, there's not a person in this room, not a person watching online, who God didn't breathe purpose over your life. You matter. Your voice matters. Your hugs matter. Your kindness matters. Your counsel matters. Your wisdom matters. Your obedience matters. 
enemy of our souls would love to squish us down to the lowest common denominator and say, it's irrelevant, you're irrelevant. No, you're not. God sees us corporately, but he sees us and calls us by name. Like when Paul says, my beloved son, Timothy, the father said over Jesus at his baptism, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He says the same thing over you. My beloved son, my beloved daughter. Lord, we pray this morning that you'd help us to receive that. At the very core level that you've invited us to be your kids, to know you as a father. And because you're a good father, Lord, you do care about our lives. You do care about our future. You do care about where we've come from, but you care more about where we're going. Lord, we thank you that you are our future. You are our hope and you are our home. And as we are here on this life, God, we wanna do everything that we can with all that we are for your glory and for your honor. Lord, help us to shed the excuses. Help us to shed the excuses and to live in the light according to your word. Help us to know how to stir ourselves back up again. Lord, for some, it's been still water for a long time. But Lord, would you stir it up that that fountain of joy would bubble forth from the inside out, God, that there would be life and life abundantly pouring out of who we are, pouring out of what we say, pouring out of how we interact with others, God. Lord, would you help us to know the the word that you've spoken over us? Would you bring it to our recollection? where all the lies of the enemy have been and the pressure and the frustration and the fatigue. We thank you for just breaking it off even today in Jesus' name and allowing us to hear once again that voice that you've spoken over us, the name that you've called us by. And Lord, help us as we get into the word to study, to show ourselves approved. Lord, that it would come alive. For those who've been in the word for years and it's just been dry, Lord, would you breathe life on it for us that we could receive it in a brand new way. And Lord, I thank you that it is spirit and it is life for us, God, that it helps us to discern and divide between our thoughts and the opinions of people and even our own wishes to your desire for us, God, to what is really true. God, I pray that you'd help us to develop that ready yes, that we wouldn't be waiting for the perfect circumstances to live in the light, but in every day, God, our ears would be tuned to your voice, to your instruction for that day. And God, that our yes would be there for you. Lord, that we would be watchful, tuning out anything that is not healthy, anything that comes against what you say and what you're doing. Lord, help us to be resolved in this pursuit of you. And we thank you, Lord, for inviting us into walking with you. Your kingdom come, your will be done in us as it is in heaven. And we thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. 
Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach, teach, mobilize.